I love the power glove. It's so bad. everyone to my bleeding ears podcast this is episode 115 is it 15 or yeah 15 it's a multiple of five shit so that's your movie this week my movie it's my movie mine (laughs) this was i didn't even give it a bunch of thought i was just like off the cuff this one yeah it was like this one 50 times (laughs) it was like the day before we picked the movie of the week Mm -hmm. on that yeah um quarantine day 1084 yep Still at home, uh, still watching a few things, even though we didn't watch all that much this week. Only a few things, Joe Bob, along with, what else do we watch? Something we haven't finished yet, so we're not going to okay, talk about it We won't get there yet. just yeah. yet. Uh, we ended up watching, well, I saw it for the first time, which I kind of regret a little bit, but Annabelle Creation, or Annabelle Comes Annabelle Home. Comes home. Annabelle, Annabelle Comes Creation's Home. Annabelle Creation's actually kind yeah, of okay, I That think. one's not bad. This one, uh... It all takes place in the Warrens' house. Right. And it's McKenna Grace playing Judy, their daughter. Right. And the Warrens go away and leave her with the babysitter for the night. And all hell breaks loose. The babysitter's friend manages to unlock the door to all the cursed objects and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. It's, it remind, it's silly. It reminds me of like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and I loved those when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is what, the third, fourth animal, third animal movie. Third, I think, yeah. Which, uh, I, I don't find animals scary at all. I don't. It's, because, well, one, the doll, of course, doesn't do anything. No. It's just the, the conduit or whatever, the, whatever the host demon is, is chilling in the, this, yeah. fucking doll. The jump scares, and there are plenty, I mean, yeah. it's that kind of movie, are not Annabelle, ever. No, no, it's never, yeah. And uh, that's the difference between Annabelle and Chucky, because Chucky's an actual living right. doll, as in Annabelle is just kind of possessed, or it, there's a demon attached to it to be able to attach to other things and stuff. So, like, of course the doll never really moves. Right. Whereas with Chucky, when he finally comes alive, it's scary. It's yeah, great. Yeah, it is. Uh, so this one's just kind of, meh. And if you like the other Annabelle movies, yeah, check this one out. Sure. Other that, I mean, I'm glad I didn't stay for the premiere of it way back in June of last year when yeah. it was released a little early. I, I would have been mad it. that I'd stayed late at night in the theaters to see it. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, pass. But you know, my brother-in-law, who's been on this podcast before, thought it was good. So mm-hmm. what the hell do we know? Opinions are different. Yeah, we'll opinions it. are different. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's it's not horrible. It, it's passable. Yeah, it is. But it's nothing special. It's not yeah. like it's the turning or anything. Or <laughs> yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense, I guess, it does, in terms yeah. of demon possession. 
What else did we watch other than that? So after that, we watched some Joe Bob. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. actually, I watched Vivarium. Yes. Vivarium. I don't know how to say that word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, with Jesse Eisenberg and Imogen Poots, and they are sort of looking for a new home. And so this creepy realtor takes them to this subdivision that looks like, I mean, it, it's it's sort of creepy. The, it's filmed in like greens and blues. And this subdivision, all the houses look identical to each other. Nobody else lives there yet. They're, they're going to be the first ones. Um, they decide that this dude is creepy when they get to the house and they want to leave. And they get into their car and they drive for hours trying to get out of the subdivision. Yeah. And they can't. So this is all a movie about... I guess growing up, having kit because they also are delivered a child mm-hmm. that they have to take care of. And the child's creepy because the child speaks with like an adult voice. Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't know, maybe it's Jesse Eisenberg's voice. Maybe it's the realtor's voice. I can't tell. But that's a creep factor. They both hate the kid pretty much. <laughs> it's not theirs. So it's, yeah, it's just a metaphor for growing up, leaving the city and getting trapped in the suburbs. And that or, or suffocation. Or conforming to societal norms. Right, exactly. Like, oh, when you grow up, you got to get married. You got to have kids. Gotta you got to start kids. this family. And, there's, and then there's people who fight against this kind of thing, I'm thinking, and, and don't want to. But yet, their family or society even is saying, like, this is what you do. You have to do, you have to yeah. do this. This is like, and you live up to where you come from, like your parents, and you and you see what they did. But now, in the time we have now, or as... There are fewer people getting married mm-hmm. that are our age. Um, fewer and people then having fewer kids. people getting divorced because fewer. of that. They're right. waiting so, before they get married. So, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of pressure on young <clears throat> people for things like this, especially from their parents. Mm-hmm. And you don't need to have a family and children to have a fulfilling life. Like, um, we're not going to have children. Right. We're not going to... Probably not going to move into some subdivision and, and, and real happy here still. <laughs> yeah, so um, so I think it's a movie about that and maybe people who who feel uh, compelled or obliged to live this right. family life. Maybe you should watch this movie and you can. I agree. Deal from there. I would watch it again with you if you're interested in seeing. It. I am. It's I am definitely a horror movie. That's how I would classify it. Okay, but yeah. Um, all right, I'll I'll check that one out yeah. too. Yeah, it's good. So I watched that on my own, and then we watched Deep Red, mm-hmm. which was, a, it's a Dario Argento film, so already I was like, okay, <laughs> my unpopular opinion, if you've not listened to this podcast, is that Italian horror is stupid. Um, so I wasn't excited. It was Joe Bob, so that's how you talk Rubbed me you. into it. Right, yeah. yeah. It's very, it's, it gives a lot of info about the movie and stuff, which yeah. I really like, even if it's a movie I don't necessarily like. I will watch the Joe Bob episode to learn a little bit more about it. Yeah. And maybe have a little more appreciation for the craft. Uh, I actually did like Deep Red. <laughs> I think it's one of his better movies. Uh, I did I didn't enjoy hate it. it. I like <laughs> how like the the stereotype is kind of flipped around in that movie where the guy is kind of the weenie. True. And the woman is is the stronger of the two, yet she isn't necessarily our protagonist of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting stuff. I like that. Uh, change it up, and especially a movie in the seventies, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Dario Argento too has, and throughout his films, he has regularly included people uh, of the LGBT community. Yeah, uh, predominantly, like through his characters and 
And not necessarily is it they're like the flamboyant, you know, queens of yesteryear. It's just like normal people. So <laughs> right, they're just human beings. And, yeah. And of course, things are a little different in Europe, where mm-hmm. you know <laughs> things are uh, the. I don't know. You can probably walk around topless in some places there, and, and it's just like whatever. You have women's breasts. You know, who cares? Yeah, they, they were maybe more milk. liberal about sexuality. Yeah, than yeah, exactly. The and, U.S. has ever been. Yeah, which I believe there are still states in the United States that allow for women to walk around topless. Yet it's just not really uh, right. accepted in our society. Mm-hmm. Which I wouldn't give a fuck at all. I. We walk around naked. I don't give a shit. Like, whatever. I don't care, man. The, like, dude, we've all seen dicks before. Like, you, you know, a guy, if you're a guy, of course you've seen a dick. You've seen your own. Like, yeah, so there's plenty of other ones that kind of look like yours in a way, but yeah, it's, it's a dick. Or boobs. They all look fucking different. They all look the same. So, like, who cares? Keep, keep <laughs> your fucking hands to yourself, man. Like, you, well, that's the problem. That's, yeah, that's the problem. There's fucking people who can't do that. Yeah. <sighs> people can't stay inside either. They got to yeah. go outside. So yeah, that's that's America for you. We need our haircuts <laughs> and, and our boobs covered. <laughs> Not even to feed babies. Yeah. Okay, so that was deep red. Deep red. It was fun. I liked it. <laughs> it was uh, fine. It, it was. It looked great um, as usual. Yeah. So the next one we watched was also a Joe Bob. It was Brain Damage. Yeah, it's a Frank Heinlein movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basket Case, Basket Case Two, Basket Case Three. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Frankenhooker is another one. Uh, shit, he probably did some other stuff I can't really think of right now. But those are his most famous ones. Uh, this is a, a unique film. It's uh-huh. about that little monster who uh, gets you high, but in getting you high, he needs to eat brains, and then you get addicted to. Is high and that blue shitty squirts in your neck, uh, and this is a movie just about drug addiction and how yep. horrible drug addiction is. Mm-hmm. You have uh, this guy doing anything possible that he needs to do to get high, and which mm-hmm. um, at, throughout time it's killing people and satisfying his urge or his little friend Almer or Elmer or whatever mm-hmm. they call him in the movie Elmer, who talks. I think, yeah. Yeah, it's well they they gave an explanation that his name's actually Almer and oh, it comes from I like a, another country uh, where like there's this whole story or the whole exposition scene between our character, our main character and a victim of Almer's who's uh, or past user of Almer's who's telling him like this is what's going to happen. Uh, we need him back kind of thing. You know, it's just drug it's about drug addiction. So right. Uh, I would check this one out. It's yeah, a, me too. It was it's, interesting. It's funny. It's nice There's, and short. It is nice and short. Uh, if you have Shudder, watch it with Joe Bob. Mm-hmm. Learn something too. But yeah, that's a it's a good movie. I bought this movie back probably, I want to say, late 90s. I got this on DVD on a bootleg DVD. Huh. And uh, I want to say maybe it was Japanese. Do you still have it? I think I do. It's okay. somewhere around here somewhere. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's... This movie's this movie's pretty crazy, and it's a definite watch for me. Yeah, me too. Um, Check it out. What else have we watched lately? I really think that's it. Um, I don't know how to smoothly segue into our movie. <laughs> we've, been, we've been watching a TV show that we're really into, but I want to um, wait until we're done. We have, what, two episodes left? Two episodes left, and they haven't come out yet. Yeah. They come out in the same day, which we will talk about. Other than that, like, um, one thing that I... Um, 
I, 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 I can't wait to see what's going to happen is when the movie theaters are finally open or like these movies are finally going to come out. And there's, a, there's been a big thing about how that Trolls movie was released, the Trolls World Tour movie, mm-hmm. and that that was the first like big movie to premiere on VOD as compared to on the big screen. Right. So certain movie chains have actually are going to boycott showing Universal movies in their theaters. Yeah, I read that. Uh, which, uh, shots fired right there, I... And then I believe I read another article that Amazon is going to buy one of the movie theater chains. Wow. Do you know which one? Uh, it's Cinemark, maybe. I'm, I'm okay. not 100% on that. But, I mean, that's just a total... Um, <laughs> those are shards fired because yeah. he can easily just buy up... Be- Bezos can buy up all those theaters and either just show all of Amazon movies. <laughs> right. And that's what I think is going to happen with different theaters. They're just going to show different companies' movies. And this, unfortunately, is going to kill independent movies. Yeah. Um, Of course, these big movie theaters want to show the biggest blockbusters out there. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have eight screens dedicated to the next Marvel movie. And, well, I guess Disney's theaters and whatever will have those. And Amazon will have their theaters. And So you're going to have to go to different theaters to see different movies from different companies. Uh, wow. Uh, it's probably going to happen. It might happen, because yeah. why not? Whenever the movie theaters open again, which we don't know yeah. when it, that's going to be, at least in Illinois. And especially <laughs> at full capacity, that's going to be a yeah. while. I mm-hmm. think most of conventions are going to be shut down until 2021. Yeah, I think they have to be. Yep. That I'm breathing everybody's air on Saturday <laughs> when I'm in there. Yeah, exactly. As much as I want conventions to be open... and. Uh, just not going to happen, unfortunately. And uh, we'll see. Um, I don't know if I'd be completely safe to be even at one or to... Because uh, no, we do have like... we have Halloween Palooza in October that we like to go oh, to. I hope so. And I would like to hope it would be, but I think it's pointing towards no. Yeah. And that's in October. It's a, it's a it's, ways away, but... It's still a go right now. Mm, so far, yeah. And I'm, I can still make it. I'll but be we'll really see. bummed if we can't go. Yeah. Or if it doesn't happen, yeah. But anyway, going back to the movie theaters. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm. It doesn't bother me that much because I think once everything goes back to normal, uh, movie theaters, I think, will have a, a, a little bit of a spike when things open back up. But after that, I think a lot of things are going to chill out by then and more movies are going to be released to VOD. Unfortunately, there are a lot of movies that are supposed to come out. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman and everything. And yet they pushed, I want to say, most of these movies to 2021. Did they Did they do the same with uh, Black Widow? Yeah, they moved that back too. Because okay. um, they don't want to release these yeah. <laughs> in video on demand. Right. So they're going to they're gonna lose, well, they think they're going to lose a shitload of money. Which I don't think they are. They're not um, going to make as much. Right. But they're not going to lose. And they're just going to hold this back and hold this back from people because they know they're going to not make as much money. Right. Even though they could make money and could pay the people that they furloughed or that yeah. they, they couldn't keep on. But no, they want to put these movies back. So they can release them in theaters. And make yeah. and make the most that they can. Mm-hmm. If that even happens. 
they could release this movie and people still don't want to go out. Yeah. They should just release all these movies to VOD and so people can get paid. But, unfortunately, um, greed is still a factor nowadays. Yep. And that's, and that's pretty much why you have a lot of these people out there right now. I want to open up my store. I want to do this. I want to do that. And right now, it's really not possible. It's, it's not. I feel very bad for local business owners. I do. I feel terrible that they're not making money, that they might lose their business, that they can't mm-hmm. pay their workers. My heart breaks for them. Right. But it's just not safe. Right. And there are a lot of different avenues out there to get money. One, if you do own a business, there are just a... Um, you can, uh, what is it, the PPE or something like that to uh, your personal business. Not PPP, not PPE. <laughs> uh, it's for, like, uh, you. the government will give you money for your business, for your employees, and for you also. So uh, hopefully people applied for that. Yeah. But we'll see. Well, I'm bummed. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, uh, <laughs> me, for talking about cinemas sucking anyway. And, and I'm fine with the cinemas closing anyway. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like being around a crowd that can appreciate a movie, but I don't like being around a crowd that can't appreciate a movie. Yeah, I agree. I, I miss the music box. I miss mm-hmm. going to movies at the music box. Yes, I do. Those people are, for the most part, considerate. Mm-hmm. They're and there because they're cinephiles. And they want to see yeah. and enjoy this movie. They're not mm-hmm. there to hang out your friend. Hang out your friend a video on demand. That's right. the, there we go. See, there it is, right there. We can just totally cut out people talking in the theater. Video on demand. Mm-hmm. I watch a movie at home. No one's fucking with me, so it's perfect. And I had a Zoom birthday party where we all got on Zoom and then faced the webcams toward us and turned on Ghostwriter, and then we just all made fun of it. Yeah, and it worked out perfectly. It was yes. like we were all together. Yes, <laughs> I. I think we, we have a pretty nice sized TV, and I think that's perfect for movies. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't really necessarily be left out unless it's a movie like 1917 or, or uh, Dunkirk or some huge movie like that right. where you need that, where it would be better to have that, that IMAX experience or that movie theater experience. So, yeah, I miss out a little bit on that, but at the same time, I'm getting so much more and so much more easily. Yeah. Mm hmm. Alright, another talk about this fucking crap. Let's get to our movie of the week. Let's. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Our movie of the week is the 1992 Robert Zemeckis film, Death Becomes Her, mm-hmm. which is your pick for movie of the week. It is. Why did you pick this movie? I picked this movie because, like I said in the beginning segment, I've seen it tons of times. It's one of those movies that I am always in the mood for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I don't think I ever saw it in the theaters. I don't remember seeing it in the theaters. I would have been 12. So I think I saw it when it came out on like HBO or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, or I rented it all the time. That sounds like something that I would do back when we had like VHSs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just love it. I think it's hilarious. And yes. back in 1992, the special effects were pretty innovative. Mm-hmm, yeah. And they still look pretty good, honestly. Especially yeah. when they age backwards. That still, I think, looks really good. Yeah, it does. It's um, the effects really do hold up until yeah. today. They really, because we watched it HD and everything, and mm-hmm. it looked fucking good. It, it looked, really looked good. It looked better than Cats. Yes, then this movie came out better than Cats. Fucking almost thirty years <laughs> before the fucking Cats. Like I was specifically watching Meryl Streep's face when she gets hit with, uh, or where she falls down the stairs and she gets up and her neck's broken and she's walking backwards. And yeah. there's parts of that which is CG, and you can tell, but it was better than some of the shit <laughs> I've seen really now. really good. And that part is so funny. This mm-hmm. movie's funny, mm-hmm. definitely. Maybe it's a comedy horror, maybe, but I think um, it's funnier than it is. Uh, I will get to that in a second, okay. which I will tell you what I believe it is. But my first time actually seeing this movie, or even just seeing the uh, the previews or or. or Speaking to people about this was back back in 1992 when it came out. Mm-hmm. And it was still in the theaters. And I remember um, at that point in time, my mother and father had divorced. My mother had moved us to Florida and my dad stayed in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I would come up to Chicago to see him for the summer. And I believe this was the first summer I did this or maybe the second. I'm not completely sh- I don't really completely remember. It might have been the first. But I remember seeing the uh, the preview for it, and I was at, like, a party of my dad's with some of his friends. And growing up, too, I, was, I wasn't I uh, was that nuts. I, <laughs> I was a little more reserved. I kind of grew up a little faster. I, like, at least that's what my dad used to say. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and people used to say I was a little more mature for my age. Like, I can understand, like, oh, there's people drinking and stuff. I'm not going to run around. I can act like an asshole. I'll pretty much sit and someone speaks to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to them and everything. So I wasn't I wasn't a typical 11-year-old kid. Right. But I remember this point because I remember seeing the commercial for it. And people was like, oh, wow, this is really fun. And, like, effects are great. And another timestamp on this, too. I want to say this happened around the same time was that this was kind of close to when the Super Nintendo was released. Okay. And I remember my dad's friend had bought the Super Nintendo along with, uh, like, Super Mario and another game, like, Act Razor. I believe those. And I remember playing those games when I was there. Like, oh, cool, man. It was like, the next-gen shit they right here is Super Nintendo. Yeah. Like, my stupid Genesis ain't shit now. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that. I remember that whole time and when Death Becomes Her was out. And then... It came out on VHS, and I watched it, and I liked it. It was a good movie, and watched it a few more times, still enjoyed it, and, of course, watched it again with you. And we both laughed out loud, Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was a lot of funny parts in it, and it was shot and done in the same way as a Tales from the Crypt episode was. Yes, you're right. Because Robert Zemeckis, of course, produced um, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Along with other people uh, like uh, Joel Silver, and, uh, some of the writers from this movie too, I believe, were also in, uh, involved in Tales from the Crypt. 
So, it seems like an extended Tales from the Crypt episode mm-hmm. to me. Just, just just, like the music, the way it's shot, the the comedy of it. Yeah. Uh, the slight sexuality, too. Sure. Which really makes it into just an extended Tales from the Crypt episode. With three big-time names. Right, I mean, even yes. back then, they were big-time names. And back then, uh, I want to say that I've seen Meryl Streep before in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is one of the bigger movies that I saw her in. One of the bigger movies I remember seeing parts in was The Deer Hunter when I was a kid. Hmm. Uh, just parts. I, ne- I never saw the whole movie. But the one that really stood out to me before seeing this was another Meryl Streep movie. And it was She-Devil. Oh, that was God. the first movie I saw Meryl Streep oh, in. Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you, you've seen She-Devil? Yeah, it's How many terrible. Times? Once. That's it? We should watch it again. No. Please, I'm going to do a movie of the week, She-Devil. Because <laughs> <No. laughs> that movie, no, it's not good. Uh, Ed Bagley Jr.'s in there. <laughs> he doesn't always do winners. <laughs> no. He, he, he <laughs> um, so that was the first movie I ever saw her in. And Goldie Hawn, the first movie I ever saw her in was a movie called Wildcats. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah. It was mm-hmm. comedy with a uh, uh, football team, and Goldie Hawn's like the the coach of it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I don't remember why she became the coach. It's been probably about twenty years since I've seen the movie. I feel like the first one I saw with her was Overboard, mm-hmm. but I've seen Wildcats. Yeah, right. And yeah, so that movie kind of stuck out to me too because uh, it was a rated R movie when I saw it. It was an eighties film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was about yeah the the unlikely coach taking over a team but this time it's a comedy and it's a woman and uh it's like an inner city school but it's funny and Mm -hmm. that's like the first time i saw her so building off seeing those these two actors go into this movie you're like oh wow this is like um acting this is different this is like how our movies are you know people are are, uh have different roles and stuff so they're not Mm -hmm. necessarily uh, stuck to one role as an actor. Right, and same with Bruce Willis. I think this is the first time I realized that Bruce Willis isn't just your generic action star. Yes, or uh, that he actually tries yeah. in movies. Like, he takes <laughs> risks, and a lot of times he pulls them off. Mm-hmm, but and then, this one he definitely did. Yes, he did. And yeah. other times it's a paycheck. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> But yes, Death Becomes Her. Tell us about Death Becomes Her. So Death Becomes Her. When a woman learns of an immortality treatment, she sees it as a way to outdo her longtime rival. Mm-hmm. So Meryl Streep, uh, Madeline, and Goldie Hawn, Helen, have been like frenemies since they were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, Madeline always steals her boyfriends. Bruce Willis plays Dr. Ernest Menville, and Helen brings him to a show this god-awful musical <laughs> that Madeline is in. It seems like she's still at the peak of her career, it yeah. seems like. But maybe mm-hmm. it's that's the peak, and then it's just kind of downhill from there. Right, yeah. Um, it's just terrible. People are getting up and leaving, <laughs> and he is just enthralled. <laughs> like, she's sensational, and yeah. it is... So bad. You have no idea. Actually, the dancing, you said, it's not that bad. Her dancing's okay. Well, that whole scene, is, it's a good scene in the beginning. Even yeah. though this musical's horrible, it's one shot they do. <clears throat> they they show part of the show, and then they pan to the audience with people leaving. Mm-hmm. They pan to, uh, they go to, next go to uh, Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis. He's enjoying the show. He's like, uh. Um, and then they go back to the, the stage again, and they finish the shot. Great mm-hmm. shot. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I wonder how many... 
how many times it took to do this. Yeah. It was, it was well done. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, the musical is pretty horrible. I'm not a musical guy, and I can tell it's kind of horrible. Yeah. I kind of am. Not so much modern musicals, more like musicals in the 90s, but this is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> the song just like never ends, and it's so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and that brings us to the meeting of our, our two women and Bruce Willis. And Goldie Hawn pretty much is like, well, this is, uh, you learn later on that that was a test mm-hmm. that she brought Bruce Willis to meet her. Because she steals all of his boyfriends, so she wanted to see if he passes the test, and of course, he doesn't pass the test. Nope. The very next scene, when he tells her that you have nothing to worry about, the very next scene are Madeline and Dr. (laughs) Ernest Menville's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) And Goldie Hawn is not uh, thrilled about that, even though she's at the wedding, too. And uh, we go to seven years later, and Goldie Hawn isn't in a good place. No, she's gained a lot of weight, she can't pay her rent... She's clearly had some sort of psychotic break. Mm-hmm. To where she constantly rewinds a scene in which Meryl Streep's character in a movie gets killed and yes. strangled. Right and before she gets dragged out by the sheriff. And, <laughs> and we see her that she's in a, a, a mental institute. Mm-hmm. And she has an epiphany in there. And then we cut to seven years later to where we see Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis in a unhappy relationship yeah total loveless marriage he's no longer a plastic surgeon anymore i don't think we ever find out that but now he's like a coroner to the stars yeah he loses his license somehow somehow he becomes yeah a mortician mm-hmm. but we get to see that they're not happy and right. that and he's a really good mortician yes apparently. He is. Like, he's, he's like very the, talented the at it best ever but he's <laughs> also like a, an alcoholic mm-hmm. he's just not happy in his life and he wants to he's not happy with meryl streep anymore and all of a sudden, they go to this. Uh, they're invited to Goldie Hawn's book presentation, mm-hmm. to which they opening. yeah they 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 want to go just to see how horrible she looks, kind yeah. of thing. They want to just see. Meryl starting to freak out about her aging, and mm-hmm. she's not getting work anymore. Right. And so she wants to go still flash her shit in front of Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. Say she's still better than this woman, at least. Right. Yeah. And no, that's not it at all. We see Goldie Hawn has lost all the weight. She's got. She's on track now. She looks great. She looks great. like freaking Goldie Hawn. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All dolled up in a hot red dress. But then we figure out that Goldie Hawn actually has a plan here, that she wants to cause a rift between Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis. And she might not necessarily want Bruce Willis. She just wants Meryl Streep to die. Uh, die. Yeah. To, to die, yeah. Yeah, she, so she she's... seduces the Bruce Willis character mm-hmm. and convinces him that they should kill her. So she spent <laughs> seven years not necessarily plotting to get Meryl Streep, but actively hating her, and then she got better, so she... Well, better isn't, isn't the better word here, but she got... Uh, for the next seven years, she started with the plot right. to kill Meryl Streep. And while this is all happening, while Ernest and Meryl Streep, Madeline has left the house. And then Helen comes over. Dr. Ernest Menville is the only one there. She seduces him. While this is all happening, Meryl Streep goes to Isabella Rossellini's house. Because mm-hmm, she, uh, she had been 
She went to like a a place for Botox or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, like a, a beauty place, and they're like, "No, we can't do anything else for you," kind of thing. Except one guy who works there is like, "Well, I know this one person, very elite kind of thing. You can't tell anyone." Here's this card. Uh, she rips the card up, and in a later scene, she goes to her uh, fuck boy. Yeah. And he's with some other lady, and. She, She's like, well, <laughs> she gets kind of upset because, you know, she's getting older now. Yeah, and she freaks out. She's crying in her car. So then she leaves to go to Isabella Rosalini's mansion, mm-hmm. castle, and um, she tells her that she has this potion to where it will stop the aging process and actually regress a bit. Uh, you have to pay this amount of money, and um, so Meryl Streep ends up taking this potion. She... She de-ages a little bit. Uh, all of her sagging parts don't sag anymore. They kind of... Yeah. Her butt and boobs her, move back up. They, like, pop into place. It even right. makes a popping sound. <laughs> so now we know that Meryl Streep is uh, is, is going to be younger looking again. And immortal. Immortal. That's what this potion yes. does. And Isabel Rosalini's like, I'm 73 years old. I look fucking hot. 71. Sorry. So whatever. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> but after Meryl Streep drinks it, she's like, okay, well... Here, here's a warning for you, though. She's like, wait, I just drank this. Now a warning. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that, like, pretty much, like, this is your only body. Mm-hmm. Take care of it. Yeah. Um, so Meryl Streep transforms and goes home to uh, pretty much just, I, I want to say, divorce Bruce Willis. Yeah. And they have kind of, like, a squabble, and um, Meryl Streep is pushed down the stairs by Bruce Willis. She loses her balance, mm-hmm. and he's about to help her, and then she yells at him. Right. And he just kind of nudges her nudges off. Nudges her <laughs> So there was, there was a plan in place with um, Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis to kill Meryl Streep mm-hmm. in a different way, but this just kind of sort of happens. So Bruce Willis, after this happens, she breaks her neck falling down the stairs and arms and whatever. Arms. It's the way she lands. It's clearly a dummy, but it works. It's still funny. <laughs> um, calls Goldie Hawn, say he did it, and they're going to get rid of the body. But yet, Meryl Streep has, is still alive or undead. And I love this part because he's on the phone really close into the shot. And in the background, you can just see her kind of start to move and Ooh, then yeah. get up. And you notice that once she stands up, her head's on backwards. She's kind of trying to walk back right. and forth. And while this is happening, yeah, he's having this uh, the phone conversation with Goldie Hawn. And then the surprise is like, oh, she's still alive kind of thing. And he's like, wow, this is a miracle. Mm-hmm. He uh, straightens her neck out of it. She, <laughs> she does it because he won't. You're right. <laughs> and then he takes her to the hospital and they're like, wow, um... This shouldn't be happening right now. She should be dead. Her temperatures... Like, it's kind of like a scene out of Return of the Living Dead. Kind yeah. of like where the paramedics come yes. in. And they're like, oh, wow, you're... I mean, you're class, classified as dead right now. Yet you're still talking. The doctor is great. I should know what that actor's name is. That's, um... That's the guy from... Uh, fuck, that old cop show. Uh, Barney Miller. He was okay. one of the cop from Barney Miller. Shit, what's his name? I don't know. I can't find it. And he ended up being the dad in Knocked Up to um, Seth Rogen's character, right? No, that's Harold Ramis. Was that Harold Ramis? Yeah. Well, he was in another movie. No! Well, was he? Ah, shit. It was one of those. Um, yeah, I can't find him right away. 
But anyway, he's he's been around forever. You know? I believe I don't believe he's alive anymore. I don't think he is either. But anyway, he's hilarious when he he bends her wrist all the way back, and she <sighs> says it doesn't hurt. Um, that's a fun effect. It's kind of a cringy effect. I mm-hmm. don't like to watch it. Um, and I'm sure they do it easily with like a mechanical hand. Yeah, or just so like a like, dummy oh, hand. Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes removes her coat to look at her neck, and he goes, "Ooh, ah." Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, her temperature's below 80. She doesn't have a heartbeat. And he goes, I think I'm going to get a second opinion. <laughs> he just runs out of the room. <laughs> and Meryl Streep then starts to realize that she's immortal and she just died. Yeah. Just so, broke all her bones. And so she passes out. Yeah. And Bruce Willis, he goes to get the doctor. And he sees that the doctor that was in there. Flatline. Um, flatline. <laughs> so people, all the doctors and stuff are, are tending to him. Well, Meryl Streep is in there. And then she passes out. And they think she's dead, so they put her in the morgue. <laughs> so Bruce Willis has to go down there. The morgue? She'll be furious. <laughs> she was, too. <laughs> the thing is that she was furious that she was in the morgue. <laughs> so he gets her out of there, takes her home, um, and seeing as that she's dying, and they really don't tell you this in the movie, which I think is kind of cool, is that once you die, of course, your flesh starts to rot, and you don't have the same flesh color. Right. So her flesh is becoming gray, and Bruce Willis is the doctor is spray painting her and everything. That's how he. Her... That's his secret. He tells that to the psychiatrist from Lethal Weapon, right? Because she asks about her aunt and how he did such a wonderful job. Right. So he goes into great morbid detail. Oh, well, like about spray painting. Spray painting. I went to the hardware store. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's horrified. That's a scene that happens at the book opening. So he's spray painting her, making her look fantastic. Yeah. And while this is going on, Goldie Hawn's character comes in and is like, what the hell happened? You know, and he's like, well, this is a miracle. Like, all this happened. And um, Meryl Streep overhears them speaking about how they were supposed to kill her. Mm-hmm. So Meryl Streep grabs one of the guns and shoots Goldie Hawn and blows a big hole in her stomach. <laughs> Boom. Kills her, right? But now we learn that Goldie Hawn is actually seeing the same woman that Meryl Streep saw. Mm-hmm. And that she's also immortal too. So the rest of the movie is pretty much these two women are like, wow, we're both went to the same person and everything. And we've had these same problems with each other. Like, let's kind of, I think we need to look past this now. But because first they duke it out. They do, they shovels. do. But they come to a conclusion that they're yeah. immortal and that there's nothing they can really do. And the only person who can really help with their upkeep seeing as they're dead and not getting any better, is Bruce Willis, to where yeah. he is going to be able to take care of him and just, spray paint him and everything. I want to go back to the fight, because I uh-huh. think the fight is so funny. They fight with shovels. Goldie Hawn knocks Meryl Streep's head backwards. Right. So she goes, damn, I just fixed this. <laughs> yeah. She puts it back on. Um, Goldie Hawn then smashes her head into her shoulders, right, yeah. <laughs> which is also a pretty cool effect. Yes. She pulls it back out. And uh, Meryl Streep then throws the broken shovel, and Goldie Hawn just sits down. With the spear and coming the out. the spear comes right out. And I don't think that the whole effect looks as good as I thought it did in 1992, but that bit where she sits mm-hmm. down and the thing goes right through her stomach, it's funny. Yeah, and this is um, great uh, great effects. I believe they won the Oscar for it. Oh, good. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of early green screen kind of stuff mm-hmm. to where, you know, the, the part where... Goldie Hawn gets shot in the stomach. You know, they put a big green circle on her stomach and right. filled all that in later, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's today it's 
probably it's, one of the easiest effects to yeah, do. But it still looks pretty good, mm -hmm. but it not does. as good as I thought it looked in 1992. Right, but yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. Um, so anyway, they make up. Mm -hmm, they make up, and you know, oh, I always loved you, kind of thing. Blah blah mm -hmm. blah blah blah. And they are like, well, we have to keep Ernest. <laughs> we, he, he needs to work on us constantly kind of thing. Because he fixes them and they look flawless. Uh -huh. But then they start to peel. <laughs> right. And like, oh, I need a touch up and everything. So they uh, they knock him out and they take him to the, the mansion to drink the potion Lisa's, too. So yeah. he can live forever to for the rest of their lives and to paint them. So pretty much what they're, they're, they want him to do is be their... Um, Kind of like their Igor or Renfield. Or much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to which he almost drinks the potion, but he's like, dude, I don't want to live forever. Yeah, I don't want people dying, like everyone around me to die. And then having that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he opts not to take the potion and he tries to escape. But uh, the women try and stop him. And um, one of the final scenes of this whole mansion is that he's on the roof and he falls off and he's stuck on the hanging like rain gutter by yeah. suspenders and they're like hey you still have the potion with you take the potion and you'll survive this fall and he almost takes it but they instead of being nice they get frustrated with him and do the same old shit they've been doing with him before which yeah. is yelling at him and trying to be a boss over him and to which he says like you know what fuck this I'll die mm -hmm. and he lets himself fall but luckily, he breaks through a, a, the stained glass window and lands into a pool, yep. to which we'd seen previously in the film. Mm -hmm. So he lives and escapes, and I want to say, what is it, like 30 years later? Like 30, 37 years later. 37 yeah. years later, we're at his funeral, and he had started another life, and had children, and was adored and loved by all these people. And we see in the back of the service, we see the characters by uh, Goli Hahn <laughs> and Meryl Streep who had come to this and they're laughing and like kind of being horrible, being horrible yeah. people <laughs> to which they're, they, they finally leave and because they're arguing. Because Goldie Hahn starts crying and they're, the spray paint that was supposed to be in Meryl Streep's bag isn't there. So right. they start yelling at each other about it and then they <laughs> need to go find it. They go there, and they're walking down the steps, bickering with each other. And Goldie Hawn starts to slip on the spray paint can on the stairs, just like the scene we'd seen uh, prior to that, to where Meryl Streep was falling down the stairs and Bruce Willis pushed her. Mm -hmm. To where we see Goldie Hawn falling down the stairs, just like her, but instead of Meryl Streep pushing her, Goldie Hawn grabs on. They fall down the stairs and then they just break apart like a porcelain yeah. doll kind of. That reminds me of like a Peter Jackson bit right there because they're clearly like mannequin pieces mm -hmm. that they just splattered on the ground. Right. <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the movie because they're still alive after yeah. that because they're immortal. And they're Goldie like... Hawn's head rolls over to Meryl Streep's head and she goes, do you remember where we parked the car? <laughs> Fade to black. Yeah, and that's the movie. Uh, this is a fun movie. This is a definite watch for me. Me too. I didn't think I would still laugh out loud at it, but mm -hmm. I do. I'm always in the mood for this movie. Right. And, and the way it's done, it's silly, but it's never stupid. Right. Exactly. Mm. It's meant to be silly. It knows it's not taking itself seriously right. at all. Robert Zemeckis knows what he's doing when he does stuff like that. Right. Uh, definite checkout. Effects are great. Acting is great. Story is great. It's funny. Definite checkout for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's sort I mean, you could even say that it's a metaphor for aging women in Hollywood and how sad it is, the things that they have to do to keep getting work. But 
I feel like that is almost reading a little bit too much into it because it's just a silly, fun yeah, comedy. Maybe, yes. Um, I'm sure the point of it, part at least part of the point of this movie is, like, yeah, unfortunately, women who age aren't getting the roles that they used to. Right. And the roles that they should be getting are, are say, like, they're... Or they're married to a 50-year-old man. Right. They're not 50. They'll get a 22-year-old to be the husband. To play and the wife. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's just so unrealistic. Right. But now, it's 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 a bit different now. It's which, changing a little um, bit. Yeah. It is. It's, um, we're seeing movies like The Color Out of Space, where we get to see Jolie Richardson yeah. play a mom. We get to see um, uh, Ozark. We get to yeah, see... Yeah, where uh, Laura Linney's five years older than Jason Bateman. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're seeing things that are more realistic in movies that are realistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm liking that. and I'm getting older, too. And I, and through that, I'm, I'm finding women in their 40s and 50s more and more attractive now. <laughs> That's good. I'm it, glad. It's, not like I never did, but it's <laughs> no, just growing it. on me a little more. I mean, like, wow, they're fucking mature. It's like, <laughs> that's pretty fucking high, you know? It's like, well, they get, they're, they're, they're uh, they, they know what's in their bank account and they can balance a checkbook or they have a fucking <laughs> awesome job or, or you know, the, it's stuff like that. It's just like, wow, okay. You like powerful women. You I do. You shy away from them. I like, well, I, see, the thing is, is I like all sorts of women. Yeah. Um, mostly me. Most, mostly you, of course. <laughs> but growing up and everything, it was like, wow, there's there's so many different kinds of women out there. Why should I just be attracted to just one? And there's so many great and beautiful things out there about mm-hmm. women to be to find attractive. Of, and it doesn't necessarily have to be looks. Not at all. It's there's certain things. So anyway, um, going off on a, a, a women tangent here yeah. about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And yeah, just the lengths that Hollywood women have to go through or will put themselves through mm-hmm. to look younger. It's just tragic. But there's nothing tragic about this movie. It's fun right. and lighthearted. Man, I want to see more Jennifer Connelly, damn it. We'll I gotta watch, watch that Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. <laughs> I gotta watch that show. We were just talking about that this morning. It's not getting great reviews. And like, how long can your show be? <laughs> how many train cars are there? <laughs> How many episodes is Jennifer Connelly in? <laughs> uh, well, I think that about does it for us this week. Um, we'll be back next, and then next after that, we have plenty of stuff, plenty of movies of the week we can go through, and come check us out, and we'll, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right, take it easy. <laughs>